Hey, good morning. I'm coming up here with props. Bear with me. Hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. Hey, it's lovely to see you all. How great is it as a church that you guys are able to release Stevie for, for a, a time like that? Uh, Stevie didn't say, but my wife and I, we're, we're church planters as well in, in Glasgow. And can I just say, being at the top, I thought it was like, yeah, I want to be at the top. I'm quite ambitious. I want to do well, but it's hard work. It's hard graft. People think, oh, you know, pastors on a platform, people hear and listen to what they say. Relative is that's like 3% of the week. The rest of the week is hard work. It's praying, mostly praying that you'll get through the week and that sort of stuff. But I just think that's really great. So can I just encourage you around that? Uh, like Stevie said, my name is, is Donna. I'm uh, the regional director for Compassion in Scotland and the north of England. One of the cool things we've done over the past few months is we've taken on some new staff. So I'd like to introduce my new colleague, new teammate, uh, Rachel. Rachel, come on on stage. Give Rachel a big round of applause. <laughs> So Rachel is our uh, partnerships manager for kind of central Scotland. See the kind of strip in the middle, kind of like Stirling and Perth and Falkirk and that sort of stuff. But a few years ago, Rachel climbed uh, Kilimanjaro for Compassion to raise some funds. So Rachel is both A, passionate about Compassion, Passion about Compassion? That almost, that's like a faux pas saying that. But uh, she's also a little bit... Uh, crazy. Yeah, that's probably the one. I, I'm glad you said it, not me. But why don't you tell us what caused you to claim Kilimanjaro and what the experience was like? Okay, so I started, do you want me to hold that? Okay. So the decision to claim Kilimanjaro was something that had always kind of been on my bucket list. I thought I would love, love to do that one day. And I sponsor two children with compassion. So I love, you know, for the longest time, I've loved what they've done and support what compassion, what compassion do. So it just seems like the perfect joint. I could go and climb this mountain at the same time, go and actually make one of sponsor children when I was out, which was so special, just the most incredible thing, and I don't know if any of you have done it, but so I mean, incredible, the most amazing experience. So, yeah, so I kind of signed up to do it um, a year before I went, so that was back in 2016. I kind of signed on the dotted line and said, I'm going to go, I'm going to climb this mountain. Did a year of training, and then it was January 2017, I think, when I went. So um, I had a year of kind of stressing, <laughs> worrying and training. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really, really good. Great. So, Great. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much. Give Rachel an applause. <coughs> so Compassion actually do a number of things like that. Next year, we've got like an ultra marathon called the Musclathon, headed out to, I think I'm dropping things here, headed out to Rwanda. So you can, uh, yeah, if you want to know more about that, come and see us. But uh, if you're anything like me, I'm like, I, I could give a 5K a go, I could give a 10K a go, but an ultra marathon just sounds a bit, uh, a little bit extreme for me. Can I share with you guys today from Colossians chapter 3, if that's okay? I just want to share a, a few verses, and uh, yeah, then we're going to dig into a few things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, and I don't know if we, you can put that on the screen. I'm maybe kind of coming to you a bit late with it, but Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14 from the NIV. It says this here, therefore, as God's chosen people, it's funny, sorry, just like preacher's side note, like when, uh, when the author of any book or chapter says something like therefore or since then, it means take note of what I've just said. So we're going to come back to that in case you wonder what the therefore is. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, just for these next few minutes that I have to share with these wonderful people, Lord, give me the wisdom, the, the boldness, 
yet the humility and the strength just to share what I believe you've laid in my heart today. Lord, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, before I really start to unpack what we just read, I'd love it if we could go through a bit of a slideshow that we've put together, if that's okay. Sorry, the media team are getting a lot of demands put on them today. But this is kind of a bit of a a summary of what you as a church have done with compassion over the last few years with your sponsorship. We go to the next slide, if that's okay. So currently you guys have 14 children sponsored, and they're all in uh, Thailand. Now, some people would think, well, Thailand's kind of like a holiday destination. That's where you go on your holidays. I've seen people there uh, on the beach. You know, people take the picture of their legs, and it's like hot dog legs. Is it hot dogs? Is it their legs? But Thailand is an incredibly beautiful country. But one of the things about Thailand, there's about 46 million people that live in Thailand, yet there are 2 million people who work in the sex industry. What that means is this. There are hundreds of thousands of children who are child prostitutes, yet 14 of them are not because you're helping them. There are 42,000 kids in Thailand that are uh, sponsor kids through Compassion with around 200 local churches like yours that work with these kids. And they are given a chance at an education. They're given a chance at uh, hearing the message of Jesus Christ. They're given the chance at giving a Bible. They're given the chance at being loved, at being clothed, at being fed, of their families being known and protected by this local church environment because of you. So these 14 kids, so on behalf of Compassion, on behalf of those kids, a huge thank you. Let's move on to the next slide. They're all in Thailand, and this is all their faces here. I don't know if you can spot your own sponsor child. They're all there. Let's move on to the next slide. So you guys have seen 40 letters sent by 14 beneficiaries. So the children are sending you guys letters, and 10 of the children are getting letters back from you guys. So for those of you who aren't sending your letters back, can I encourage you slash challenge you? send your children a picture, send your children an email. You can do it through the Compassion website. Or if you're like me, I don't write many letters. I quite like to write them out to our three sponsor kids in Ethiopia. Move on to the next slide. So there's eight girls and six boys. Following slide. So what that has meant, those 14 kids have had more than 5,001 hours spent at the project. So we guarantee that that's the minimum amount of hours those kids have spent at the church. But when the church is the hub of the community, that number is likely exponentially more. They've had 1,250 nutritious meals. That's just, this is just within the last 12 months. They've had 28 medical checkups. So they've had two medical checkups, one a year. 16 Bibles given out to the children. So every child is given a Bible, but you can see that two of them have given their Bibles away to someone else. More than 4,809 pounds of financial support from you straight into this work and eight additional kind of birthday gifts or family gifts or Christmas gifts that you guys have generously given given to those kids. How cool is that? Why don't you give yourselves a huge round of applause? Thank you so much. Great. So good. Sorry, the media team have been really taxed. They're used to kind of whipping at their phones and getting on Candy Crush at this point in the service, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But hey, you guys are a part of kind of a a bigger global family with the compassion thing. There are nearly 2 million kids that are sponsored around the globe. You guys are part of that. It's just people like you and I that make that decision to do do this thing. And what that means is that there are 7,000 local churches like yours across 25 different developing countries. And it meant that last year, 158,000 of them put their hand up in a church service like this church service and said, I accept Jesus Christ into my life as my Lord, as my Savior. And as my friend. How cool is that? I love what we get to do. I totally love it. 
You know, one of the things that, that uh, I was thinking about this morning, I was driving through and the sun was shining, it's not looking quite as good just now. You can tell we're definitely in autumn in Scotland where it's like uh, the sun's shining, it's 18 degrees one minute and then it's raining sideways and it's 11 degrees the next minute. Uh, it was kind of like that the other day. I was up actually in, in kind of Falkirk area and driving back down south kind of towards Glasgow. I, I actually almost had to pull the car over, it was raining so heavy. But I was thinking this morning about summer and some of the things you do in the summer and, and we love our garden and sitting in the garden and I'm not much of a gardener but I, I love the weather. And I was thinking about things I used to do as a little boy and one of my favourite things to do as, as a young lad was to go with my friend Johnny and his metal detector. We used to head down to uh, Salcoats to the beach there and we used to try and find things. So I was like, I don't know, 11, 12 years of age. I had a vivid imagination. I thought that with the metal detector, we we're going to find like dinosaur bones or alien bones. Why you would find bones with a metal detector, I don't know. But I just did this like vivid imagination. And I remember one Sunday being at church, like your kids have just headed out to Rainbow Kids, being with my Sunday school teacher. His name was Ian. He was part angel because he, he tolerated my impatience and my bizarre kind of sense of humor sometimes. And he'd be like, so what are we up to this weekend? Are we, we, this weekend coming, what are you doing rather? I said, we're going to the beach. We're heading down with the metal detector. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I want to fight alien bones. And he'd just be like, it's great. He'd be smiling. <laughs> And he'd be looking at me and be like, what is wrong with this kid? Uh, and I remember we were down one day. It was me and my friend Johnny. It was his metal detector. And for those of you who don't know what a metal detector is, it's, it's kind of like this metallic disc that's connected to like a noise box. That's the only way I can describe it. And the louder the noise, the more rapid the noise, the bigger the piece of metal, the closer you are to it. So no metal, you kind of get beep, beep. Beep, and then when it hits metal, it goes beep, 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 and lights start flash. So anyway, you get the gist of it. So one day I remember we're down at the beach and we're, we're trying to find uh, some treasure. I don't know, we're going to find like Roman artifacts we could take on Antiques Roadshow. I was going to get £100 for it. £100 probably isn't a lot of money when you think of it contextually, but when you're like £1,100 is like a million pounds, it's like a lot of money. So I remember one day we're down and it's like beep, beep, and, and it goes crazy and we, we start digging and digging and digging and we, we pull out this iron brew can. Now we're thinking, man, this is like the original first ever iron brew can. This is, there's no, we'd, we'd never seen the artwork on it before. We're thinking we're going to be millionaires. Like this was like now Bar's iron brew, Mr. Bar's original iron brew. Now why, why would we be doing it at Salcoats Beach? I don't know, <laughs> but I remember we ran up to Johnny's dad, who was a pastor, actually, and, and he was quite patient, and I'd like to say he was reading his Bible, I think he was reading the Daily Record at the time, but we ran over and said, look, look what we've got, and he, he just looked at us and smiled, kind of put his glasses down, he said, boys, I hate to bust your bubble, but uh, Iron Brew just changed the cans a year ago, <laughs> you're probably just too young to remember the change. So we were back to the drawing board, and, and I was just remembering this today, and, and back to the drawing board, and we, we, we ran back down to the beach, and we're, we're going around, and we found another few bits and pieces, none of it worthwhile, but then the metal detector went bananas. I mean, it was flashing lights that had never flashed before. It was making noises that had never made before. We thought, this is it. Dinosaur bones, slash alien bones, slash antiques roadshow, slash we're going to make noise. It's going to be like somebody's buried treasure, Jack Sparrow's buried treasure before Jack Sparrow was Jack Sparrow. And anyway, we were digging and we're digging and we're digging and we, we, we had to find another kind of spade. We ended up using this big stone to dig it out. And as we got there, we were so excited. We couldn't believe what we were going to find. And it was the wheel of a shopping trolley. 
You know, I, I sometimes think of the, the work of compassion, and we've come under a degree of criticism from organizations that would maybe look from the outside in at how compassion do their website, how we do our social media, how we uh, present uh, Jesus front and foremost of our ministry, because that's what we're about as an organization. The fact that we help kids and that we work through children is almost like a, a secondary part. If someone was to say to me, Don, what is compassion about? It's about one person, it's about one name, and it's about Jesus. And I want that to be like so evident in what we do. It says over all, all our literature, you can see it in our logo, it says releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And we do that through incredible partnerships with the local church. And it's easy to see and it's easy to find. It's kind of like a bit what Paul writes. He says to clothe yourself with, with compassion, clothe yourself with, with kindness, clothe yourself with humility, gentleness, and patience. In other words, make it easy to see. Make it on the outside really easy, really plain to see. I mean, the Bible says this, he says, says this, he says that write the vision and make it plain. So our vision is to raise children from poverty in Jesus' name and to make it plain, to make it easy to see. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says that you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. I wonder what everybody sees on you. I wonder what you wear on your life. I wonder if, if it's easily seen. I wonder if we want to be seen as one way. I wonder if, if we want our friends to see that, you know, uh, you know Josh, Josh is compassion, jo compassionate. He's kind. He's patient. He's gentle. He's humble. I wonder if people would say that about Josh. I wonder if they would say, well, actually, he's a handsome young lad, which he is. I wonder if they would say he's a talented drummer, which he is. I wonder if they would say these things, but I wonder sometimes if people say great things about us, or I wonder if when we're not around, I wonder what people think and say about us. And that's not like a gossip thing and wondering what people think, but what is the reality of what we wear? Do we wear compassion? Do we wear kindness and patience or the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Do we wear that stuff? Or actually, do we just wear people out? We're talking about social media here. I could, I could talk about social media all day long. Our church has grown because of social media. Paid advertising via social media gets more hits and more responses than you would ever get via a billboard, via a, an advert in a shopping center, via something that's on a bus. And actually major manufacturers, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Nike, they've not yet got the power of social media advertising. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But you go on social media today, and I can assure you someone is going to get on your nerves. What are they posting that? I want to see their breakfast. I want to see their lunch. People just, if you're on social media for more than two minutes, someone will post something totally annoying. Like, like I'm just having one of those days. Why do you need to put that on social media? I don't care if you're having one of those days. Well, I do care, but don't put it on social media. Phone me up and say, I'm just having a bad day. Can you pray with me? Can you encourage me? But do we want to be seen one way? But actually, the relative of it is we just get really frustrated and annoyed with people so easily. And that's what people see. Do we wear this stuff or we wear ourselves out? Do we wear like gossip, slander, frustration, lust, anger, impatience, envy, unhealthy addictions? Do we wear that stuff? Or do we wear the stuff that, that Paul's talking about there? Because the relative of it is that like that Daniel dilemma thing there that we're talking about, which is a great book, actually, if you've not got it, can I just encourage you to get a hold of that and, and really dig in? Great teaching. And the book of Daniel is just like so much gold in that book. But you know, sometimes like we want to be seen as, as one way. Ah, you know, I want to be seen as a good husband and, and patient and kind. But the reality of what we are is so different. It's like poles apart. It's like so different. 
And it's kind of like the story with the metal detector. I wonder if I was to really scan your life, or if someone was to really scan mine, I wonder if they're going to need to dig really deep to see the good stuff. Or I wonder if it's really, really close to the surface and it's so evident. And kind of my message today is this. If the glove fits, talking about clothing, clothe yourself. I wonder if the glove fits. The glove of compassion, the glove of kindness. If the glove fits, will you wear it? The glove of compassion maybe to sponsor a child today. Or the glove of of kindness, just to encourage someone. Or the the glove of patience. I can tell you about patience last night. We've got a sick sick 10-month-old. I had four hours sleep last night. Badly broken up. That patience kicks in then. <laughs> or, or I wonder if just a little bit of humility where you just need to humble yourself and you need to apologize despite the fact you've not done anything wrong. I wonder if there's just that sort of stuff that needs to go on. Can we just dig in a little bit more with Colossians 3? Is that okay? Colossians 3, verse 1. Paul writes here, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, NIV. It says this, since then... And again, this is one of those things when, when the author writes since then, kind of means like refer back to what I was saying. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. And Colossians chapter two, this is kind of like my summary of it. If those, those of you who have read Colossians two and you're theologians and you're like, there's more to it than that, come and see me, we can talk about it. This is just like my summary. Colossians chapter two, essentially the, the, the church in Colossae, which was like this region, this area, the, uh, the, the people in the area that were looking to the Christians and say, what is your faith all about anyway? Like, we worship this God, and because we worship this God, we do this dance, we wear this clothes, we, we put a leg in, we put a leg out, in, out, in, out, we shake it all about. This is what our religion's all about, but your Christian faith, or the way as it's called, you guys, it's not really clear to see what you're about. So Paul then says this, he says, well, since then, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. In other words, Don't worry about what's going on to the left. Don't worry about what's going on to the right. Don't worry about this person giving you this advice or this person you're giving. But focus clearly on Jesus. Focus nothing but on him. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. What he says then here is, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in this way of life, but now you must also rid yourself of such things. Uh, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Put on the new self which has been renewed. And what he's saying is this, is actually stop looking at the temporal and start looking at the eternal and see that God is high and lifted up. Stop looking at what was and start looking at what is. Stop looking at your old life and think, oh man, before I was a Christian, it was much better because I would have just held on to that grudge. Hello. But actually now it's much harder because God's called me into this thing called forgiveness, this thing called reconciliation, this thing called getting over it. Hello. Rid yourself of such stuff. Verse 9, he says, do not lie to each other. I sometimes think we lie to ourselves. Like, I kid myself. I'm so thankful for a wife that, like, nails me to the wall on most things. She's just like, you're at a line. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> 99 times at 100, she's right. I've learned that. Like, like, for those of you who have been married more than two minutes, like, my wife is like the Holy Spirit. She starts speaking. I'm like, flipping heck, man. <laughs> Where did that come from? Like she just she just sideswipes me out of nowhere, and I'm like, yeah, she's totally on the money. 
that sometimes we lie to ourselves and we think that we're one way, but we're not. But I also think this, there's also this thing where many Christians are, are almost like Adam and Eve Christians, that's how I would call them. It's like they're, they're running about, but they're not, they're not yet fully clothed with what God has for them. It's like they are saved from that stuff, but they're not yet called into everything that God is calling them into. I don't know if you're with that analogy so far. And God's kind of saying today a little bit, if the glove fits, because it does for you to step into something new, for you to actually be more reliable on the church team you said you're going to be reliable on, for you to pray for the person you said you're going to pray for, for you to encourage the person you've been meaning to encourage for six months and you just keep putting it off because you can't just go with their head. But God is actually calling you to something else. And I wonder if, if the glove fits, will we wear it? I really believe that God is saying that today. I, whoa, whoa caught it. I wonder if, if that glove fits, will we wear it? God is kind of saying that actually, you got to maybe put off some of that stuff you are wearing, put on something new, because what's external is easily seen. You know, I wonder if, if, if God's maybe calling you today, there's a reason for the prop, I wonder if, if God is calling you guys today to put on compassion. Bold guys need hats, true story. I wonder if God is calling you today to put on kindness. I wonder if he's maybe even leaning in your heart a little bit and say, actually, you've got to put on a little bit more humility. You've got to really humble yourself before other people. I wonder if God is calling you today to, to put on a little more gentleness. Or I wonder if God is, is ultimately calling you to, to patience. The church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 2, they were looking for signs. They were looking for something that was significantly different about these Christians. And Paul was saying, this is it. You've got to wear this stuff on the outside. You can't just talk it. I'm going to take the hat off. It's really warm. You can't, you can't just talk about wearing this stuff. You can't just talk about being a loving people. Like, and a lot of churches, and, and we use this phrase, and I, as a pastor, I try and like really, really drive this home, but I'm like, you can belong with us before you believe with us. That's hard going for some Christians, because they're like, their life is so different from us. I believe, ultimately, that's what the gospel of Christ is. It's about showing compassion. It's about showing kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And that they're looking for, for signs, and, and, and this is it. Paul, when Paul writes in, in, in chapter 12, he said, as God's chosen holy people daily love, clothe yourself. That word clothe means to embowel yourself. Sounds really painful, but what he means is this. Take what is on the outside, inside, and put it on the outside. Don't just talk about it. Don't just get the warm and fuzzies about it. The word for uh, compassion is splagnizomai. That's how it would have been said at the time. Paul would have said splagnizomai one another. And what that means is this, splagnizomai means to be moved as to one's bowl. Bowls are getting pretty hardcore today. But when you're moved to your bowl, bear with the analogy, but you've got to do something about it. You can't hold it in. You can't. In the Bible, when Jesus, uh, it says when Jesus saw the multitudes, he had splagnizomai to them. So when Jesus saw the multitudes in the Bible, it said that he had splagnizomai to them. The disciples were like, I just get rid of these people. But Jesus had compassion. He had splagnizomai. He had to do something about it. He couldn't just watch. But the reality is this. 
is that actually when you start to wear this stuff, it changes your appearance. It changes how you look to the external world. And I'm not saying about being fake, fake it till you make it. But I wonder if you just got to say, today I've got to be a bit intentional about this. Who can I encourage today? Who can I just pray for today? Who can I just be like a great friend to today, a great mother, a great father, a great friend to? I don't know if you're like me, but with my neighbors, we started, we lived three houses just next to one another. We were the ones that started. Let's take everybody's bins in and out. And we did it where we used to live for seven years. No one else ever did it except us. I kind of got a little bit resentful about it, but actually I just kept doing it. But you know what happened in our new house? We started doing it. Now all the other neighbors do it. It's like we look out for one another. But sometimes you're the first domino and wait till you see the effect that comes back around. For you, I, I wonder what that looks like. When you wear it, everybody sees it. Here, here are three things. I'm going to take these clothes off in a sec. Here are three things that I want to leave you with. If you're taking notes, you can take these down. If you don't take notes, you're 25% more less likely to get into heaven. Just kidding. <laughs> It's only 22%. <laughs> Here's the first thing about clothes. Everybody's got them. I don't know what your measure of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of peace, I don't know what your measure is, what that looks like in your world, but you have that clothing to wear. And it could be that you could sponsor a child like Da. Da is seven years of age. He's actually super handsome. <laughs> He's from Thailand, and I think we've got about 12 or 13 others today. I'd love to see all of those kids find a sponsor. 25 quid a month seems like a lot of money, but contextualize it to your own kids. 25 quid a month is cheap. <laughs> but 25 pounds a month, and you would be their only sponsor. That could be your measure of compassion. Your measure of compassion be that actually, is that you just actually become a little bit kinder in your community. Your measure of what you wear could be that you, you just become a little bit more loving and a little bit more patient, a little bit more tolerant. Some of you spend far too much time in social media and it just drives you absolutely bananas, all the, the nonsense that's on there. Maybe you just got to come off for a season and just start praying for the people that were getting on your nerves. Give some context on it, but when you wear this stuff on the outside, people look, people are, people are looking. Colossians chapter 2, they're looking at Christians and they're like, what are you about? And your workplace, people are looking like, that's a Christian. They're sizing you up. What are they about? You know, they talk about Jesus, but all they ever do is, is invite me to events. I don't really see anything different about their lives. I wonder what can be different in your life that smells different, that tastes different. That's the first thing. Everybody has got clothes. Here's the second thing. That just because you haven't worn that item of clothing in a, in a while doesn't mean it goes in the charity shop bundle. I don't know if you've got that in your house, but we've got like this permanent charity shop bundle. We're like, oh, we've got to take that to the charity shop. Oh, we've got to do that. And when it gets far too big, we're like, okay, let's do a car boot sale. That sort of thing. We've just got this bundle in, in like the spare room we've got. And it's just stuff we don't wear. It's stuff we don't need. And with a baby, that's like filling up quite quickly. But I, I wonder if, if you've done that. You're like, ah, you know, I've not really been compassionate a while. You know, Don, like, I don't wear like a full eye of my clothing, but like I've got like a poster of compassion. You know, in 1992, like I was really kind once. And, and you know, in and, and, and 2004, I... I smiled at someone at the checkout at the supermarket. And, you know, in, in 2010, I held the door open for someone. Just because you haven't worn it in a while or practiced it in a while. You know, I, for those of you who don't know me at any, any length of time, I, I used to be actually quite overweight 
I used to be quite a large lad. I lost uh, five stone and, and, and I go to the gym quite a lot. And, and, and I, I just love uh, fitness and, and all that sort of stuff. I just kind of got into that world a little bit. But one of the things I've read about recently is this thing called muscle memory. And muscle memory is a real thing. And it says this, that people who had a degree of fitness and maybe lose the fitness can get the fitness back quicker than someone who never had it in the first place. So what happens is this, your, your muscles remember. They remember how big they were. They remember how fit you were. They remember what they were. Just because you haven't worn that item of clothing in a while, can I encourage you? Your body, your mind, your spirit's going to snap back to it really quickly. It's true. Our baby's been sick for a few days, and in Jesus' name, she will snap back to sleeping really good over the next few nights. Why? Because we've seen it before, and we'll see it again. Here's the third thing. One, everybody's got clothes. Two, just because you've not worn it a while doesn't mean it's in the charity shop bundle. Number three, as a pastor, I probably should have more than one, but I only have one suit. Praise God, I hate wearing suits. But I have one suit, and only wear it at weddings and funerals. Just because you don't use this stuff very often doesn't mean you just keep these clothing, items of clothing, compassion, kindness, humility, patience, gentleness. You don't keep that just for special occasions. It's not just for the elite. I'll be kind to Pastor Stevie because actually I want to be a life group leader. So I'm going to be nice to Pastor Stevie and he'll make me a life group leader and that's it. And I want to boss around the 10 people in my life group. I would be kind to the person that actually there's nothing in return for it for you. The guy that sits inside your supermarket and, and he's got that little bucket every day, that little container. Just give him a quid, buy him a Greg's sandwich. It's not all about who you can get something in return for. So one, everyone has got clothing. Two, just because you've not worn it in a while doesn't mean it's for the charity shop bundle. Three, it's not just for special occasions. I love what James writes. This is in the message translation. He says this here. This is James, brother of Jesus. Uh, I can't imagine being the brother of Jesus. I don't know about you. I've got two brothers and a sister. But like, I was like the hyperactive child. Like, so if you have a hyperactive, over-imaginative, pushes your Sunday school teacher's buttons child, bear with them. They do come good. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but I was a hyperactive. And, and, but my, my, my middle brother, David, was so calm and patient. And very soft. I used to get, why can't you be more like David. Because he would just be so calm and just sit there like, Cheshire cat. I used to, to kind of get that sometimes. Can I be more like David? But then in turn, David would be like, why can't you be more like your brother? Because he was so reserved sometimes. He'd be like, I'm not making friends. I'm going to sit here and scowl at people. We kind of like had different personalities. But I wonder if being Jesus' brother, James would get, why can't you be more like? This, this is James, and James just writes some amazing stuff, and he says this here. He says, I can no longer show you my faith separate and apart from my works is my work from my faith. And I'm like, this is the guy who, who grew up with Jesus, perhaps saw Jesus in his like terrible twos. Did Jesus have terrible twos? Saw him as a teenager when he had spots, and, and, and did Jesus even have spots? I don't know. When he was a teenager and totally rebellious, I don't want to be a carpenter. I want to be a plumber. I don't know. What did it look like when Jesus was a teenager? But James talks about how Jesus is, is a Lord, how Jesus is a Savior, and he said that I can't separate the work that I do for Jesus from the faith that I have in Jesus. They're inseparable. Yet so many of us have this, this strong faith, but no action attached to it. And we're not, we're not saved by what we do, but 
almost out of being saved and accepted and loved by Jesus. I want to do more for him. He's shown me his grace. He's shown me his mercy. So I want to do more for him. You know, for me, when I came to work for Compassion, I prayed three things. I said, God, I don't want to go back to a secular job. I want to work in the kingdom. I'll do it if I need to, but I don't want to. Two, I want to travel Scotland more. Show me what you're doing in my nation through the local church. And three, I want my life to count for something. I want for this next season, however long it is, I need it to count. My life counts because I believe I'm making an eternal difference. I could be doing the same job. My background's in IT. I could be working for Google or Microsoft or, or Sun Microsystems or Instagram or Facebook. I could be making 10 times as much money doing a very similar job. But actually, you cannot separate my faith from my works as my works from my faith. They're together. So I wonder for you what that could look like. We can make such an eternal and even temporal and even instant instant difference today. There's someone in this room today that you could perhaps encourage. There are those of you in the room who have like an incredible gift of like hospitality and hosting. If I had the time, I'd come to your house for dinner. But someone else could. Someone else could come to your home for dinner. Some of your business leaders, you can speak to Lindsay and say, hey, that upcoming youth camp you're going to, we're going to underwrite 25% of the cost. Tell me the budget, we're going to underwrite this much of the cost. Or the kids work, actually, the kids camp, we're going to cover some of the costs. Or actually, this prayer thing, I can't be there, but I'm going to pray for it. I love what Paul writes where he says that, although I'm not with you, I'm with you in spirit. You might not be able to be at everything, but you're with them in spirit. I wonder if just your neighbors need a friendlier version of you. I wonder if your kids need a more encouraging version of you. Because actually when you start clothing yourself in this stuff, people see it. Those kids at the back, those compassion kids, they desperately need you today. Desperately, desperately. They are praying for you. You are their miracle. But I wonder if you can be someone's miracle today. Because actually we can make such a huge difference, but we decide. God's not forcing us. That's one of the things about our faith that I love the most. God gives us this thing called free will. You have the free choice to give. You have the free choice to encourage. You have the free choice to sponsor Daha or one of his, his buddies up the back. They're all in Thailand where you guys as a church have kind of uh, support. And Thailand is in such need. There's less than 2% of the population are Christian. There's 2 million people in the, the, the sex industry. That is unbelievable. That must be the highest of any country I think I've ever seen. And I wonder if, if the glove fits, if the glove fits, which it does, Will you wear it? Will you put it on? Will you be kind? Will you be encouraging? Will you be just a, a, a great friend to someone? I wonder what that looks like for you if the glove fits, which it perfectly does, whichever your glove is, the glove of encouragement, the glove of sponsoring a child, the glove of, of just being kind, of, of humility, of patience, of just bearing with one another. I don't know about you, I'm so impatient. Like you read like personality, like profile things, and it says my personality type can be really impatient. I've had to work on that big time because I can, the impatience leads to impulsiveness, leads to silly decisions. So I just drop back a little bit. But I wonder what your glove is today. I just want you guys to watch the screens for a few minutes. Just a really short video clip. This is the story of, of a formerly sponsored child. And this shows you the impact of someone that makes a decision to do something, something great. Take the screens out. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to us. 
seems to have stopped. Do me a favor, see if you check in some of the other folders for that same video name. Perhaps it's just not copied very well. As we check that out, sorry, media problems. These things happen. This video is of a, a man called Richmond, and he's doing the voice over there. Richmond is a pastor in a country called Uganda, which is in a uh, kind of east coast of Africa. I'm heading there in two weeks, three weeks' time. Three weeks' time, Rachel's coming. It's really cool, great trip. But uh, Richmond oversees around 400 churches. But Richmond was a formerly sponsored child that was sponsored at a church just like this in the United States. I think his sponsor's from uh, Georgia, I think. And uh, the person that sponsored him uh, wasn't a lawyer, wasn't a doctor, wasn't an entrepreneur, a millionaire, a, a professor, wasn't someone that we would think has a high-flying, successful career and of crazy amounts of disposable income. But the reality of it was uh, he was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl who just said, I, I can do something. I can invest in someone's life. That's the story of Richmond. And I wonder what Dad's story is going to be. I wonder what the story of Abby, the little boy we sponsor, is going to be, or, or Hymenot. Uh, you, you were on the trip when we met Hymenot, or, or a sponsor now, another girl called Hymenot. Don't ask the confusion that causes. But I wonder what their story is going to be, because actually we made a call to do something that didn't seem so great at the time, but was actually real simple and real easy to do. Can I encourage you today? You can do something. You can wear a glove that, that, that maybe encourages someone or it's just a little bit kinder to someone. You can sponsor a child. Come and see me at the stand. Come and speak to Rachel. We'll talk to what does it look like? How long do you sign up for? All these sort of things will answer your questions. But I wonder what else you could do today. Because the reality is that, that God hasn't just saved you, but he saved you and called you. And many of us get the saved thing, but we don't yet get the called thing. You're like, well, I'm called to what? I don't know how to preach. I can't play piano, can't play guitar, can't preach, can't do all that other stuff. But you have been called into something incredible. Perhaps it's just to be kinder. Perhaps it's just to be a, a, a great influence in, in your, your business world and, and the sector of life that you live in. I don't know what that looks like. But actually, God will use any circumstance and anything for his glory. You just got to give him the, the space to do it. Can I pray with you? Lord, we just thank you. And we thank you for these wonderful people. Lord, we know that you haven't just saved us, but you've saved us and called us. Lord, actually, you have an incredible ministry for every single one of us, Lord. You have a unique shape for us all. Lord, whether we're introverted or extroverted, Lord, whether we have passions in one area or talents in another, Lord, you can use it all. So, Lord, we just ask today, Lord, that we know that perhaps the glove fits in a certain area. Maybe we do need to be a little bit more patient. We do need to be a little bit more understanding with those running about us. We do need just to... to to maybe sign up today and sponsor a child. We do just need to encourage someone across the room today. We need to actually show up when we're going to show up. If we're going to be on a, a team that's, that's part of church, then actually we serve on the team when we say we're going to rather than, than showing up when we feel like it. Oh, I don't know where it is, Lord. But Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that that glove, whatever it looks like for us, that we step into it, that we pour it on today and say, I'm going to sponsor that child. I've been thinking about it for a while. I already sponsored one. I'm going to do two. I already did two. I'm going to do three. Or, or, or I do this, but now I'm also going to do this because I have the capacity and the space to do it. Lord, I wonder what that is. If the glove fits, Lord, I pray that we'll wear it. In your name we pray. Amen.